tuning into New Life Vietnam. Today's message by Pastor La is Wisdom Builds from Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Welcome to New Life Fellowship, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, as the children going down. Um, now, um, we are continue to alternate between two books, the book of Acts and the book of Proverbs. So this morning, we continue with the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, just the first portion of chapter 9. Now, um, all of us know that our, our God, Creator, created universe within six days. Now, we take the, that literally... You know, literally six days. And some maybe think that maybe not a literal, maybe a figure of speech. But I personally favor the literal sense of that creation. So God spoke and all the creation came about. What we see and what we don't see. In terms of scientific term that they call it observable universe. Observable universe meaning that thing they can see with a telescope, with a Hubble, you know, telescope or what kind of... But if you think beyond that, beyond the black hole, beyond that, nobody knows exactly. So even those who do not believe in God, they're on the journey of discovery. They can't make anything. They cannot create anything in the space. It, God spoke and the, the, the void became, uh, it kicked in, you know, time and creation. And human being is the climax of his creation. Now, it took him six days to create the whole universe and human being. But it took him thousand, thousand of years to bring the kingdom, God's kingdom. He spoke about, he, he created the, 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 the best place on earth called the Garden of Eden, where the first couple, Adam and Eve, they were perfect because sin entered and therefore they were kicked out of the garden. They still, they will still be able to hear God's voice, but they no longer can see Him. The minute that they ate that fruit, their relationship with God was separated, been cut off. And this is why when God spoke to them that there would be descendant of this woman Eve will come about the Savior that's going to crush Satan's head so that you can bring reconciliation. For those who, who believe in Christ, you've been reconciled back with a Creator. And it, it, it took thousands of years, and then you will see that he called out the people of Abraham and then out of Egypt and all the journey. And we see that, you know, before Israel like, asked for the king, they asked for the judges. So the book of Judges is simply show us the downfall of human being leadership without God. And all the men fail, all the judges, male figure, fail because they did not act and walk according to the Lord. And therefore, God raised a woman figure named Deborah to show the man that how ugly that male leadership failed and that raised the woman leaders. That not to promote feminism, but that to say that male leadership failed big time because without God, without walking according to the word of the Lord, they might have power physically like Samson case. But we're lured by this 
two ladies, the wives, and all the messiness you see there. And then, then, then how come the Nazarite, you know, mingle and fellowship with a prostitute? And that's just to shock us to say that this even God's people that didn't know the power that was given to them because of His grace and love and mercy, not because they are so strong in power. So Samson being act as a superhero, but failed big time. The Bible recorded that even though during his lifetime, he killed many enemies, the Philistine, with his strength, and God allowed that. And yet... At the end of his life, because of his, was, his eye was gouged out by the Philistine, and uh, you know, there was one event that would entertain, a you know, big event, like almost like a you know, concert, maybe an exhibition of the, the idols that God, they feasting there. And then Samson prayed the last prayer that, Lord, the Lord going to use me here with our eyes, you know, going to push the pillar and going to kill them all. And the Bible recorded that when he died, he killed more enemies than he was alive. For all of us who have been understanding the idea of I have been crucified with Christ, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me, you will make more impact in both of your life and the life around you when you pick up the cross and follow Jesus. And not our own strength, but the strength of the Lord that is in us. Now it took thousands of years when Jesus entered the scene and the Son of God Fully God, fully man. That's how to understand 100% God, 100% man. He has both the divine side and human side. So fully divine, fully human. And that's hard to, for us to grab. But that's why he can die for us in our place because he a perfect, sinless animal sacrifice. So right after Jesus' crucifixion, no longer that people need to have animal sacrifice. And he is the ultimate embodiment of the wisdom. We talk about wisdom here. As we see in chapter 8, and remember the big picture of the book Proverbs is God's as a father instruction to sons and daughters. It's out of relationship. It's not out of a law book. It's not out as you have an idea of God, the angry father, you know, try to whack you. It's out of relationship, but always information, instruction, always imply discipline. Discipline come in hand if, this is the if clause. If you do this, this is the consequences. If you do this, this is the consequences. So it, it, it forewarned, it's laid out simple for those who are, Simple it means simple is the naive. When you read the, the book of Proverbs, the English translation put it simple. Other translation put it naive, easier to understand. This is a term that says this person is open-minded, open to everything, but not open to the Word of God. The naive, the simple is like, it's like a piece of clay. However it is shaped, it will become a formation. So the youngster, the one who know in the Lord, that the Lord always will bring instruction to shape the people of God. So the naive, once they decided not to heed God's word, they become foolish. A foolishness is nothing to do with IQ, intellectual quotient. It has everything to do with the matter of the heart because even the highest IQ person if they set aside God's wisdom, God's word, they automatically become foolish. Because foolishness is by default. 
We are born sinners. So foolishness is in each of us. The minute that we do not pursue Christ and embrace and acquire God's wisdom, we are already in the by default mode is foolish. A foolishness, once you press on and live on in a foolish way, you and I will become wicked person. A wicked person is that they continue to live on the foolishness even though they know how wise and the wisdom of God and they turn wickedness and we saw that throughout all the Bible. They resist the wisdom of God. They became a foolish person and a wicked person and almost there's no hope for them. And the Bible said that there even there's more hope for the foolish than those who want to be wise in their own eyes. Meaning they want to be wise in their own definition. Today, the world promotes Christian that you can define anything you want, how you feel. Your feeling is, is number one. If you feel like that, you define like that. We are the people of God. We need to be guided by the Word of God, not our feelings. Our feelings need to be processed to the filter of God's Word, not to the filter of the social gospel out there in the net. It has to be filtered by this ancient wisdom. And today in verse chapter, uh, chapter 9, we will read this. We will see this. You have the Bible. We please follow with us here. Chapter 9, the book of Proverbs. Wisdom has built her house. As I explained, the, because the, the word wisdom, Hokma, has a, has a feminine root. So the Bible kind of portrayed that as a lady wisdom. But also at the same time, it contrasts between two ladies. Lady of wisdom and lady of foolishness. Lady of, because it's also, it's like sin and ties. So we see the contrast between the ladies of wisdom and the lady of, of, of foolishness. That is, the difference is that the lady of wisdom invites Bill and cause. So it's always a relationship, but it's no force. But the lady of, of foolishness is that always entice. Always is kind of a cunning and try to get the man's heart, the people's hearts. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. And she has mixed her wine. Some of you read why, why, see why I can drink wine. <laughs> it's, we don't know the percentage of the alcohol right here. It can be just cider under 5% or it can, some of you, just fermented juice. We don't know exactly. So don't use this word and say, yeah, now I can drink wine. You can mix wine. Uh, she has uh, also set her table and she has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in town, in the town. The verse 4. Whoever is simple, remember, simple here, the naive, the one that open-minded to anything, everything, you know, girls, everything that is possible. That is, that is foolish, according to the Bible. Uh, the world promotes, you know, yeah, you have open-minded, that's good, you know. But it's here, it's a close-minded in God is better. Because whoever is simple, let him turn in here, turn to her house, the lady of wisdom. To him who lacks sense, she say, come and eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Live your naive way, live your simple way and live and walk in the way of insight. Insight here means understanding. As in the book of Proverbs, with all you get, 
get understanding because she's supreme. Because wisdom is supreme. You and I must learn to understand God's word and that's why we acquire wisdom. Wisdom is something that is not automatically given to us. We need to acquire it. And the way we acquire it, we live according to the word and receive both the challenges and discipline. That's how we acquire wisdom. Now, point number one I want to bring out for us is this. As the ladies, God wisdom built contrast with the lady of foolishness destroy entice and then try to lure in and destroy as sin which will come to seal and drop and destroy but the wisdom of God builds God's wisdom through the to Jesus Christ because now we have to the I want to run back and forth between Proverbs and the New Testament because now we have to interpret the both Proverbs in the Old Testament through the lens of the gospel. And that, that is the, the right way. But it not, doesn't mean that Jesus has to be in that, that text. But because now we have the high sight that Jesus is a full embodiment of God that has full wisdom. So that's why God's wisdom, meaning Jesus, first structure our life. Think about this. If Christ is not number one in your life, either you will be number one or somebody else. And because as we know, in all kind of management book, they talk about time management, they talk about priority, all that. Your priority will dictate how you live. You set your priority wrong, you will live wrongly. You set priority right, you will live rightly. You set your priority godly, you will live godly. You will set your priority Jesus number one, the rest will have to submit under that priority. Look at your calendar. Look at your calendar. Eight, nine, ten hours a day. Look at every week how you structure your rest day Sunday. How you structure your 52 Sunday. It will tell you what is your priority. A lot of people say, yo, pastor, my priority is, you know, with, with Jesus and God. Look at the calendar. I miss them half of the year. Where is that priority? If Sunday is your option, then what is your priority? If reading God's word is an option when you're about getting tired and go to bed, and then you read God's word and God will bring you to sleep. Some of you use God's words as like that tool to bring you to sleep instead you go to see a sleep doctor what is your priority because if it's not jesus is not god's wisdom because god's wisdom give us the understanding what life is all about god's wisdom give us what this life is all about 24 7. god's wisdom tell us that we need time to sleep and we must have sufficient hour Six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, depend how old you are. I mean, scientific discovery help us to understand more about sleep. But the Bible no long before that, that every human being need to rest in God. And resting, including sleeping. Resting is also that it's a condition and a state of our soul, our body, our mind, and our, our, our emotion. Some of you may be asleep, but your emotion is troubled. You are not restful. Some of you know that you try to sleep, but you cannot because your mind is racing. 
your, your, your will, you want to do your will more than God's will. You're not surrendering yet. And therefore, your emotion is in turmoil and trouble like a raging sea and you cannot sleep. And day after day, you will spiral downward into depression. And when you go to see the doctor or psychiatrist, all they can give you is a sleeping pill or antidepressant. Because they know, it's not, they know, they know, they not be able to fix your soul. So they give you the pill. So who can fix our soul? Obviously the one who made it. The one who that breathed his spirit into a piece of clay and become a living being. If God's wisdom is not the top priority in our life, our life will be in a messy mode, will be hectic mode. We try to do so many things in our own way. We pray a short prayer and we treat God as, you know, as the, the Aladdin and, and, and the Lamb. You touch it, three wishes, and come to birthday, you ask for three wishes, and you follow the world pattern instead of every day in communion with God. And that is a calling, an invitation. And God, wisdom, Jesus, first needs to structure our life. Look at your calendar and you see if there is God's wisdom in your life. Oftentimes, people tell you this. Even some training in some kind of motivational speech seminar and so on, they tell you, you know, show me your calendar and I will show you what is your life is heading. Is that true? Because show the calendar, you will know where your life is heading because you see that priority. You see there is how your life is structured, the fabric of your life. You know, in order to have a fabric, all of you know, work in a textile, it needs to be a thread. Let's say handmade. It needs to be a, a one-by-one thread. You know, if you want color, you add in another thread. And it takes, you know, labor-intensive to do that. Now you have a machine, but to talk about the fabric of life, each day is a thread. You talk about construction, each day is a one brick that lay on the top of another. Your life and my life is built by 365 bricks a day. How you set your priority will show how wise you live. Are you still with me? God's wisdom first structure our life. I want to pause here and pray for all of us here. If you feel like your life is upside down, you have to run here and there, both in the, in the kind of a physical manner, also emotional, also your spiritual order. If you have no quiet time with the Lord, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you are in a danger zone. If you do not know, even the Bible have, you know, 66 books, you don't know the Lord. You have a religion. If you never talk to Jesus in your desperate, you know, manner of prayer, you never witness about Jesus to others, you have a religion, a nice one though. If you look at your life and you see no tangible fruit, you still have fear and anxiety. You're just going to church and hope with day better. All your life, just I want to be a better Christian. What that really means? Nobody knows. That religion, religion tells you try to be better. The gospel says it is finished. It's now surrender. Follow me. Walk with me. I want to pray right now. Lord Jesus, Lord help us, each of us, to structure our life 
not based according to our plan or, or the demand of the world or even the demand of a seal or the men of society uh, tell, uh, that, that, that force us and make us anxious about we have to be successful, we have to be this and that. Help us learn to surrender and rest. You create the whole universe night and day, not day and night. You give rest first, night and day, night and day. You create Sunday as a first day, rest first. I pray that each of us all here this morning will learn to rest in you. We learn to put the wisdom of your wisdom according to your word, structure our life, must, must be the center of our life. Everything else must be orbit around that center. Not, not you that running, chasing after us. We go here, you must follow. We must follow you. You'll be the center of our life. Lord, help us to know this structure that the wisdom of God that will fabricate, that make our life fabric in godliness, in, in wisdom more, and it structure our life to know what should be the top priority. Oftentimes we hear our complaint, we're so busy with this, we're so busy with that. Ask ourselves, am I a Christ follower, a work follower, a CEO follower, a career follower? Am I Christ follower? Help us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number two. God wisdom provide. Always provide. God wisdom never take away anything from us unless it's sin. And God mercy and love he will take, wake us up and remove the sin through the Christ work at the cross. But we need to repent. So what wisdom always provides what we need. As we speak right now, I'm quite sure, those even watching online, are quite sure that the Lord has been providing for you enough. Food on the table, clothes to wear, not just one shoe or sandal, maybe a dozen. You know, thinking about the wilderness. If the wilderness, you see that they wear one kind of piece of cloth, but never worn out. And they have a sandal. They walk through the desert. Today, we have more than enough. All the things that we desire are simply our wants. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everybody can recite that. But in your prayer, in your prayer, you look at what you have asked for. Sometimes it won't. <laughs> Not really need. Just have to be honest. Say, Lord, I have everything enough. Now here, my want list. Yeah. But I want it now. Huh? I want it now. If you don't bless me with this, and you can call it blessing. Oh, you don't bless me with this? I, I, I don't believe in you. I don't follow you anymore. And a lot of people test the Lord with wants. The Bible tells us, test him. In Malachi, means test what you need. I don't have food on my table. And throughout history, really, throughout history, many people experience that. I really today have no food to my children. And pray somebody, you know, bring the food. But food enough for that meal. And then they know to pray again. 
people in the Old Testament and New Testament experience that. Today, you know, you know, your meal, your lunch, where you're going to heading. You have so many choices that even though sometimes we don't eat something because there's so many choices, we don't know what to eat. <laughs> no, seriously. Today, as you go home, sometimes we need to write down our prayer to see exactly what we're asking for. A lot of time, if you're honest, we ask about one list. So, when we don't have it, don't get upset. When we don't have the want list, don't blame the Lord. When we don't have the want list, don't say, oh, you know, this God is not powerful. No, He's powerful. It's just that our greed that prevents us from coming closer to Him, prevent us from trusting Him, prevent us from really abiding Him. The problem with the whole generation in the wilderness in the book of Numbers is not because of they don't have enough food. I mean, excellent quail, you know, talk about quail, I mean, falling from the sky. I mean, talk about manna. It's better than pizza, you know, except it's, it's fresh, or it's fresh as well. They eat that every day and they get bored. And they complain. Also, when you wash your complaint, they always have roots in this, your wants. The only way you can trace back your want, because you want that, you cannot have it, you complain. The people in the wilderness, they want onion from Egypt. They want this steak from Egypt. They want the kind of vegetable by the Nile River. They perhaps even they were slaves, but maybe they eat fine dining. I don't know. Okay, Maybe fine dining today, almost like a slave. You just have a piece of of this, and you try to eat it, you know, you, you, you check the photo, you eat this, and you, ah, you know, you, you feel good about it. Because the food industry, the gastronomy industry try to promote that. Everybody say, yeah, I, piece, I wish I have a steak with wine. Who teach you that? It's Egypt. It's Egypt taught you that, not the Bible. Or you just read the wine, say, Pastor, you have a wine. Yeah, that talk about abundance. Talk about perhaps that, 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 you know, Noah, the first thing, get out of the boat, he planted a vineyard. It sounds okay. Planted a vineyard. Now he gathered fruit, no problem. He, he, he kind of squashed into a juice, no problem. It just happened because it fermented. After a day, there's no refrigerator. And it become wine, and it's sweet wine. It's sweet and sweet wine. And it drink and drink, and then he, until, you know, he got drunk, he got naked, and then that sin came in. Sin always follow the trace of wine. The Bible said that those who have fellowship with alcohol is not wise. So if you want fellowship, fellowship over coffee. That's the product of the burning bush, just in case you didn't know. That's a side joke, okay? <laughs> that's a side joke. <laughs> that's a side joke, yeah? Uh, right, burn the bush and become coffee roasting. God always provides, yeah. It's burning coffee, yes. God always provides. Remember what you need. If you, in case you forget about what you need, food, water, shelter, the air to breathe is free for the wicked and the righteous. God is just. 
the air to breathe, shelter, food, water. If really some of you work in the NGO, when you come to help a country, you know, that's what they only do. Pure water, enough sustenance, you know, rice or corn or whatever, and build shelter. That's it. That's the necessity of life. And God always provides that. So to, uh, tonight, you go home and look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'll be honest with you. All the things that I ask and pray for, I want. I will stop doing that. There's so many other needs. And the, we talk about felt need and real need. All of our needs are pretty much felt need. The only real need that you and I need is that Jesus Christ, the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? Number three. Connection. Wisdom of God will not isolate us from the world. <laughs> Oftentimes, I see people that, you know, find a new faith in Christ, be added to the church, continue to grow, but after, let's say, a year, the faith becomes kind of a warming up and, you know, cozy, huggy with others. They don't no longer want to reach out into the lost and the world because, oh, you know, I went to the office, I see that one that's non-Christian, behave this way, my boss is not Christian, so, you know, I get tired working with a non-Christian. And they come to church and they hope that, you know, working with a Christian is okay, but end up also not okay because the church also full of the lost. The people who have religion but lost. You have to remember that. As a pastor, I always constantly reminded that the gospel needs to be preached every Sunday because they're always lost soul in our midst. Even they have a clock of 20 years, 30 years of being a religion. Connection. God's wisdom tell us always spread His word out. Wisdom tell the name of Jesus. That's the world need to hear. Whether a good program or NGO or charity or business development, economical development, whatever the noble things out there, the key for the human soul and salvation for the whole world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people today more than ever, because the AI is going to be wiser than us, but never be able to understand God's wisdom. Now, if the AI got fed with the word of God, they can generate a certain thing that sounds wise. But the Lord is not interested in the AI because He's interested in the soul, the broken human that really know Him, cry out to Him, and have connection with Him so that we can bring Jesus and God's wisdom to the lost. And we can preach to the AI, tell the AI what to think and how to think, and you need Jesus. If AI can become a kind of robot and need to know the Lord as well. Amen? There was a movement of uh, demanding the human right from a cyborg community, in case you didn't know. The cyborg is basically half human, half machine. It came out of the thing that somebody you know, lost a leg, right? And they want to put in a, you know, a, a, a artificial leg. But that artificial leg, they can make in a way that can integrate back to the body with artificial materials, whether silicon or that. They can put in kind of you know, artificial nerve and so on. And maybe somebody have an idea, I want my leg, not just the leg, but I have Bluetooth connection, I have satellite connection, and I have gun in my leg, and that becomes a community of cyborg, meaning half human, half machine. It's not, it's not futuristic, it's happening. Uh, everything is happening seems to be started first in America. I don't know why, but it's just started in America. It's called Cyborg Foundation. They want to uh, ask for human rights. 
and uh, one or two got already, you know, received a human right. And uh, it's kind of crazy. But I tell you, if the cyborg come here, I will welcome in and continue to preach. So as long as it's a soul, I will preach the gospel to the soul. We don't need to be afraid of technology. We should master technology so that we can use God's word to give direction to the technology that we use. We don't need to be a kind of community that can remote back to, sorry, no offense to, to whatever the community there um, uh, that in America, they, uh, uh, Amish, yeah. I mean, I never visit them, but I look at it, okay, nice. Uh, good for my retreat and holiday, it's good. But we don't need to be isolated because we need to master technology and with direction and knowledge of God, we tell the machine what to think, not the machine tell us what to think. So do not let the AI to schedule your calendar. You tell the AI what you want in your calendar. You tell the AI that I want godliness in my calendar. And you can figure it out. You can challenge them. By training the AI, you fit more godly data into the AI and it will become a godly model because AI built on models. And so connection here, we talk about that we need to reach out and spread out because the internet, the more you share about God's word on the internet, on social media, the more people get to know that. And the algorithm will work around that and to bring that kind of message to the friend and other friends. Some of you click on one wrong video, it will pump into your feet another wrong one, another wrong one. This is why during the pandemic, a lot of people, you know, try like the conspiracy. They talk about conspiracy about the, the, the vaccine and they spiral downward and they, they, their brain got, you know, twisted and they, they think, you know, the world differently because they see through the lens of the conspiracy. God's wisdom tells us that we need to master the technology in order to bring God present even in the cyber community. Today, many, many black site or dark site or even, you know, the hacker community, they need to know the Lord. Because if they know the Lord, they will stop hacking. They will stop stealing other people's identity. They will stop stealing money from the bank. Because no longer the bank robbery will be with guns and, you know, go to the door like the movie. Today's cyber attack on the bank and stealing information and finances and in a crypto war as well is massive. They no longer need guns. They just need their finger. And those behind the screen and the finger, we need to spread God's wisdom and the word of God to those hacker community. And by being tell them, we flood the cyber community with God's word. And because God created us for connectivity, not for isolation, we need to spread out and reach out the lost community, even in the social media and the cyberspace. Are you still with me? Number four, invitation. God wisdom invite. God wisdom is like the father. Hey, son, come home for lunch. Hey, daughter, dinner is ready. Can you come home? I have a feast for you. I make a nice choice of meat, vegetable, beans, all of that, you know, Tortilla, you know, prata, all the rice and all of that. Come home. I made it ready. My house is abundant. You know, Jesus Christ said, I, I came and to give you life. Not just an ordinary life, abundant life. That's what feasts on me. 
come abide in me. You will bear fruit. My house always abundant. Why you need to run to find somewhere else? Why you need to run after the lady of folly? Why you need to find this? Why are you to be formal? Why are you afraid of missing out? There's nothing missing out. Come home. You have everything abundant. Food for your stomach. Food for your soul. Your spirit. Why you need to be formal? Come home. It's an invitation, but not a luring. Like, hey, come home. Uh, if you uh, do this homework, I will give you some candy. Some parents use that. I say, no, that's not biblical. Just tell, it is your responsibility to do your homework. And we're going to have meal together. Even when you fail, I will take you out for ice cream. Why don't you want to give something toxic as a reward? But that's how the devil used. The devil used that, that okay, do this. You can have this. And later on, the, the ne- probably next week, we'll see that the lady folly will entice, invite with some reward. And it's like stolen water is sweet. Like something, you know, steel is better than something you pay with the price. That's why a lot of people today, that they like stealing, not because they don't have enough money, just the feeling that of, of stealing. You know, shoplifting, that is usually we found out with celebrity, with a lot of people have money. It's just have in that habit because exactly the devil knows stolen water is sweet. The one you pay for your water, uh, you don't feel good. You want to steal it. Devil's scheme is like that. We have to be aware of the devil's scheme. God's wisdom never entices us, never lure us, never have a string attached. Like you come home, you do this, I give this. No, come. It's an open house. Come, fish with me. The food is available. No string attached. You come because this is good for you. This is the living water. This is the living bread. And that's why in... in if you go home and read this, we have no time for this, but you mark this, Matthew 22, talk about the parable of the wedding. It's beautiful there because the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, compared to a wedding feast. You know, everybody got invited by the king, but everyone accuses. I don't can come. You know, I got busy with this, I got busy with that. Go home and read that one. Beautiful because God's wisdom and invitation invite you to come and feast. You take it or you leave it, that's totally up to you. He's not going to angry because that's good for you. He's not going to upset and whack you, but he already lay out. If you do this, I don't need to do anything. It's consequence. If you do this, it will have this. It's always, you know, it's a programming if clause, if this, if then, if then. A lot of time, we don't believe the then. That's why we do, we do the if, and we hope there will be not the then. Freedom of choice, but we don't have freedom from consequences. God wisdom invites the naive like us, the simple one, to come and taste. We need to taste it. We need to come and feast on Jesus. And go home and read another one, John 6. Beautiful. The Gospel of John, chapter 6. Talk about the disciple walk away because, Lord, is it a hard saying? How can we eat your flesh and drink your blood? They didn't get it, right? Of course, later they get it. But at that time, said, no, many disciples left him. Because he taught a very hard saying that you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they thought Jesus was talking about vampire. Uh, but later on, of course, they understand. And that's why the meaning of communion as well. That's remind us we need to feast on Jesus. We need to, to abide in him. That's in the context of abiding. And so wisdom of God invite us to come and feast. The wisdom of God invite us to come and taste like the woman at the Samaritan, Samaritan woman at the well. 
she came to the well for hoping a very good well there, I mean, good source of water, but she met another better, the best water, the living water, Jesus Christ. And he went, she went back and told the whole town what she had found because she had tasted the living water. Ask yourself today, if God has been inviting me to come and taste, what is the taste of the good news? What is the favor of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it sour in your life? Is it sweet in your life? Is it bitterness still you have? Is there any bitterness not in the gospel because of your unforgiving heart maybe? Because of a sin that easily entangled that make the gospel bitter, sour, and not as sweet. If you and I cannot fathom the gospel of Jesus Christ, Whatever we spit out, whatever we come out of mouth, we always have a degree of sourness, bitterness, crumbling, complaining, and not the sweetness note of the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you still with me? Lastly, the question I want to leave with you for our reflection is your life being built by God's wisdom? Is your life being built? By God's wisdom. Because if it's built, being built by God's wisdom, you will see how you structure your life. You will see how you're being provided and you should be grateful and thankful. Because if it's God's wisdom in your life, you will see connection. You're not isolation. You want to connect to the lost and bring them for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom come already but not yet. It's God. It's your life being built by God's wisdom. You will always have an invitation to come back. It's never too late. Is now, is here and now. And that invitation can be extended to so many of your friend and my friend. We need to come to feast on God's wisdom. Is our life being built by God's wisdom? Spend a couple minutes.
Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your ongoing work, beginning with the foundation, the foundation of our salvation by your grace through faith in Jesus. And it was like wisdom built our house. You, Lord, you are the builder of our life. Perhaps the seven pillar in Proverbs will be a complete cycle of your creation seven days. It is finished. It is a completed work. You know best that each of us need rest. And you gave us, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath, the Saturday. In the New Testament, you rose, you appear among disciples on the first day of the week, and the disciples gather on Sunday. That's why we are celebrating and worshiping on Sunday. And you give us a day of rest. The demands of the world whether even a perfect law, labor law, or the, the imperfect labor law always demand force us to work more and more. Like Pharaoh, who demand more and give less resources. And that's the nature of any corporation. Help us, Lord, to realize that. Help us to decide to know that make you are the king of kings. Not just what we say on Sunday, but the day we live in every day of our life. Are you a king of our calendar? Help us to plan to see reflecting the kingship in our calendar. Oh Lord, not only that you build the house, you provide, you make the meal, the table lavish with your choice of food. This means that you're there, you die, you invite us. You invite us to come and feast with you. You are the good God. You never make any of us lacking anything. What we need, you provide. What we want, sometimes you provide, other times you don't. Let us not be upset and angry about that. You help us to have the wisdom so that we can connect to the world and tell the world how to think. And what to believe in. We're not shy about telling the world that what we know about you in the Bible. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel has the power to save. Thank you, Lord, that you have saving us through your son, Jesus Christ. We're not afraid of the president. We're not afraid of king of this earth. We tell them this is according to the word of God. We make connection. We bring Christ the gospel, not to condemn them, but to bring them back to you for salvation, redemption, and sanctification. You send out an invitation for each of us to come to feast at your meal, at the wisdom, at the tree of life. Help us to know to live our naive way, our foolishness when we come to your table. Every Sunday we come here at the feast at your table. As we walk out this door, help us to live 
the waywardness of our life, the foolishness of our life. The simple, we think it's simple, we open to anything. Help us to be close to you and close our mind on you, or your words. Help us to walk in the way of insight. Help us to walk in the way of understanding. Before we can understand anything of your word, let us start with the fear of the Lord. The fear of those, the beginning of wisdom. Help us to acquire wisdom like precious gems, stone, gold, silver, diamonds. We treat your wisdom as the precious item in our life. We honor you by walking according to your word. We glorify you by walking according to your word. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom, for your wisdom fully manifested embodiment, the ultimate embodiment through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that you and your family are encouraged by this message. Join us next time and do click the follow button on our profile page to stay up to date with the latest message. God bless you.